thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up for a Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. Here we are, Up for a Chat, about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Karen Smith. I'm Kim Morrison. And I'm Cindy O'Meara. And guess what? (laughs) We have world famous, hold on to your hats, girls and boys, hold on. We've got world famous, world renowned, Bloody legend and amazing friend Amanda Gore in the studio with us today. (laughs) And I'm sorry, I I have to put a little bit onto that. Okay, go. And I believe the biggest stand-up comic ever. (laughs) I think so. I do. I think you've lost your calling. Although you do stand-up comic with meaning. I just with meaning. Yeah, yeah. You are brilliant. You know what? I mean, I'm a little bit. Oh, what am I going to do? I go on to your channel on YouTube and watch you. Really? Yeah, I only need Cindy, a couple of minutes. You've got to lie. <laughs> I only need a couple of minutes. Get a laugh. And you make me laugh so hard. I oh, love yeah. I've always laughed at you, though. <laughs> that's and folks, that's what real friends are for. <laughs> I'm feeling much better. No, I'm cool. And, and I'm sorry, but you've actually, I think you've actually offended a few comedians out there. I'd say a lot of comedians do their comedian work. Yeah, they do. They do. So yeah, just, yeah, I do. I look. Oh, I agree. The voice with of you. reason. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> she is the voice of reason. She is today. Yeah, yeah she's been you. very reasonable today. Why are you ever? Yeah. That's what yeah. And you were immune boost. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Seriously, guys, for you listening to these three, they're extraordinary women, and they look fabulous. You know, you can't see them, but oh my gosh, they look fabulous. Oh, speak for yourself, sweet. Oh, pay. get real. Absolutely. <laughs> I tell you, Amanda, in the last your age, last week's podcast, I took my top off. She did. Showed and her then, orange bra. And Cindy. Oh. Pulled her dress up and showed us how she's got a waist. And my skirt was so tight I couldn't show them my knickers. <laughs> but Gosh. that's because they call me tart. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, listeners. Yes, nothing like that, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm nearly 60 and it's not pretty. It's beautiful. Yes. Yeah, no, it is <laughs> tart. Yeah. Um, so we decided so back to, to normal. Yeah, back to normal. <laughs> so we really decided that Amanda was well. She's been on our hit list right from the very beginning mm. since we started doing the podcast. All three of us all said, oh, "When are we going to get Amanda? When are we going to get Amanda?" And it was so amazing because while Kim and while we were all doing the last podcast last week, Kim and Amanda were um, in touch via text message. So if Kim sounded distracted, that's what she was doing. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> So we quickly decided that we would get Amanda in for this week. So for our listeners, all you've got to do is just Google the name Amanda Gore and then stand back in awe is all I can say. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Well, that's only say. Anyway, normal type folks, you won't be in awe, but you uh, might get a few laughs. Yeah, you'll get a lot of good laughs. On the YouTube channel. Definitely. Yeah. In awe of gore. In awe of gore. I thought that was quite good. I think that was Al Gore. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, um, the first time I ever saw you speaking, you were speaking on a stage, there were thousands of people in the room, and I was with Lisa Curry. And I remember her saying, I'm going to meet that woman and I'm going to be on the same stage as her. Oh, my gosh, yeah. really? And she did. She did. Yeah. 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 And she's astonishing. Oh, yeah. my gosh. I was on the stage with her in um, Sunny Orange, as I recall. A big, we had hit the big, um, the big time. Big time. <laughs> and... Uh, she was phenomenal telling her story. I actually didn't realise how 
inspiring she mm. was in everything that she had done. Mm. Because she's just, talk about motivation, because this is what we're talking about, isn't it? Yes. Motivation? Yeah. <laughs> well, we think. Well, yes. we think. We, 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 we picked that out of Not the air. We decided removing clothing. No. Oh, well, we could go back there again. <laughs> well, maybe not. <laughs> no, we decided that as a follow-on from last week's podcast, because mm-hmm. we were talking a lot about um, a recent radio interview with um, Shani and Julius Kieser, who've ah. been on the show previously, and we were talking about a radio interview with a lady by the name of Chrissy Swan and how that all played out, and we really wanted to get our listeners' feedback in terms of whether they thought that being fat was offensive or mm. being fat was something that was something to defend or to be okay with. Oh, right. um, so then as a follow-on from that, we thought, well, motivation would be a really good conversation to talk about because we're mo- motivated to do one thing or to do the other. We're motivated to go towards having health and fitness and you know, having a focus and a priority um, in our life around health and fitness or not. And we're mm-hmm. motivated towards being, you know, and even just between the three of us, the contrast with us is Kim's priority is her exercise and Cindy's priority is her, uh, her food and my priority is my work. Mm. So when it comes to food and exercise for me, I've really got to work on it. Mm. So it's not my primary motivation. It's not my priority. So I've got to, you know, it's harder work for me. Mm. Whereas that's where I start my day. You know, I get up, um, I go straight to the beach, I either walk or swim um, and I have coffee and I, I do like to have a coffee by myself because I have so many books I want to read. Mm. So I like to have a bit of a read, then get home and have the best breakfast. I prepare my lunch. So everything happens in for meals for me mm. the minute I wake up. Whereas some people, they go straight to their computer, which Karen does. Four mm-hmm. o'clock in the morning. Gosh, that's very early. It's very early. Mm. I'm starting to notice my eyes hurt. <laughs> but the first four o'clock in the morning is such a good time of the day to work. Mm. So creative and so mm. uninterrupted. And Do you know, I think part of the problem is getting into a rhythm and a routine. So, Cindy, how long does your rhythm take? Because it's a real rhythm. Oh, so I'm up at six, at the beach by 6.30, home by 7.30, 8 o'clock. Made all my meals by 9 o'clock, at work by 9.30, probably. But I can do it quicker. Mm. But that's my rhythm most mornings. Like if I have to be at the airport at 4.30, of course things change. Um, And I do all my preparation of meals beforehand. I may swim that night before or my walk the night before so as I I feel like I haven't missed out. Yeah. Because to me it's like missing out. If I don't do it, I feel like I've really missed out. So that, that's my priority. But then when I had children, it was very different. Yes. So it, it's this is my time of life. This is my rhythm in my life, and this is what I love. And in actual fact, if I don't get it, I'm actually cranky. Well, mm. you see, when you interrupt her, one of the things I talked about in the book on joy is the rhythm and routine of life. You know, the moon has cycles, the body has cycles, everything has cycles. And if we don't try to create some rhythm and routine. For example, gratitude. If, if you get into the habit of writing in a gratitude journal every night, it becomes a habit mm-hmm. after a while. It's a rhythm to start off with, it's a routine, and then it becomes a habit. So I think a lot in terms of motivation comes down to uh, the, the original concepts where you either move away from something that's unpleasant or you move towards something that's what you want. And, and they kind of limited it to that, which is important and good to know. But it's much more complicated. And life is very complicated. All three of you have different lifestyles. And, and I'm older than all of you and still no children, but still travel a lot and still having house renovations. <laughs> still? <laughs> really? And 
and that, but it's been fairly quick actually. It's just five months. Okay. And um, <laughs> very disruptive to the rhythms and routine. Has the budget so, blown out? Oh yes. <laughs> anyway, that's another disruptive thing, but it's very good for motivation. <laughs> I, will be, I will be working till I'm three thousand. But I live in a lovely house if I ever see it again. So, uh, if we go back I to... I love your house. Yeah, it's even better now. Uh, we go back to rhythm and routine. Mm-hmm. It's, I think it's far more complicated because rhythm and routine helps you to start to get into a habit. And get, rid yourself of the idea it's 21 days. It's not a whole lot of new mm-hmm. research that's come up where it's 66 to 200 days to establish a new Oh, habit. that lets me off the hook enormously. Well, for all of you out there, that's going to, oh, 66 no. days minimum. It makes sense, though, because I can try to form a habit in 21 days, particularly for my yeah. exercise. I really try hard, Kimmy, I do. Yeah, yeah. 21 days does not cut it for me. But this this is why I like to train towards a marathon or train towards a triathlon to or something, have a goal, because mm-hmm. it's not an eight-week or a 21-week. It is a five-month thing, yeah. and then for me it becomes such a part of my life, I can't imagine it without it. Mm. Um, and, and that takes a lot of discipline too. It does. So you're talking in terms, it, it, it's sometimes interesting to separate discipline from motivation. Ah. You know, some people are just very disciplined, mm. and I'm quite disciplined. Uh, I'm, uh, Cindy, you look at it as if you missed out. I look at it as if, uh-uh, I didn't go for my walk today. I've done nothing but sit, you know. I've piled up all the toxins. I've jammed up all my fascia because I'm a physio. So I go to the body side of things. I go, oh, I'm going to get pain. If I don't move, I'm going to get pain. <laughs> so I get to the end of the day and I've sat on my ass all day. Sorry, I hope I can say that. You on can. my bottom. <laughs> and, um, and, and then I think I have to get out. I have to go for a walk. But I've been doing, and I usually go to the beach in the morning, but with the renovations, we have 700 builders at the house by 7 o'clock, and so that rhythm was interrupted. So that my motivation goes back to keeping myself healthy and well, and I know that I have to keep moving to do that. But, you know, so much, I was thinking about it as I came down to the interview. So much more comes into play when you talk about motivation. And one is fears. Another is how you feel about yourself. And there's a third one, which will come to me as soon as this menopausal moment. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's go. One was fear. The second was? uh, How you feel about yourself. Because I teach that the single most important thing in life is how you feel about yourself. Mm. Interesting. Which determines how you make everybody else feel around you. So if you look at everything in life, most of the people who are overweight don't feel good about themselves. And so they're not inspired to, it's either a protection or uh, they're not interested enough in looking at what they, how many people does this go to? Because I could mention a little story about my husband last night. (laughs) It goes to everyone except our husbands. (laughs) Excellent. In that case. My husband never listens to it, so if my husband doesn't, then you might be. Right, now, yeah. now I won't tell him I did it. Yeah, good Anyway, idea. so <laughs> Just I don't let Russ in, and Matt tell him yeah, either. I'll let Russ and Matt hear them too. Do <laughs> anyway, so, well, a person I know... Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's very close to you that you yes. may live with? No, well, could, could, possibly. <laughs> you sleep with? Uh, but stop. <laughs> trying to make this anonymous. Anyway, this person I know very well, who knows my thoughts about diet drinks... Like diet, can I say a brand name? Yeah, yeah go Pepsi. Walks into the house. I, I used to find them hidden, you know, empty bottles hidden. Because I, I would stab 
like a bottle if I could. That's how much I hate this stuff. And, you know, I don't know how many articles I've sent him and how many times I've said, do not drink our drinks. <laughs> they make you fat. They're full of aspartame. They're full of a neurological toxin. You know, drink enough of it and you too can die. <laughs> fat and unhappy and unwell with all sorts of neurological diseases. And, and he walks in after that goal and he's got a bloody great big bottle of this stuff. And I thought I was being subtle. Uh, how many of those are you going to be drinking a month? <laughs> One every two weeks. What for? You know what it does to you, blah, blah, blah. And in the end, I just badgered him into saying, well, throw it out then. And so normally I wouldn't have, but I did. <laughs> so I poured the whole bottle down the sink. And uh, we're all the same. Yeah. In terms of motivation, <laughs> I was very strongly driven to do that. But he isn't. He knows what it does to him. He no- but he uses food as a crutch. And it's when he doesn't feel so good about himself. He's going on a diet. You know, he puts on weight. And then he does this massive crash diet and loses a ton of weight and goes back on again and blah 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 cycle that we all know is not good. But a lot of people do it. Yeah. But essentially, mm. at the core of it, he does it at the times he's not feeling good about himself. Mm. Do you think that that's where the motivation comes in? You hit rock bottom or you hit a place that you really aren't happy with and that's what motivates you to the diet? For some people. And See, then that's you do the, the moving diet. away. Right. But then what I'm understanding, what I'm learning is that a lot of people will do a diet, but they actually don't visualise themselves or understand or can even picture themselves let's say, in a bikini or a running outfit or, in his case, maybe Speedos. Um, ooh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> but when they get there is when they have the opportunity of perspective that is actually an opportunity that they, they could do it. But what we're finding in a lot of our feedback with some of our podcasts and things is that people then sabotage and go back to the way they were sometimes worse than what they were. Why do you think that happens? Again, I think it's how you feel about yourself. Because and their fears. So the three core fears in life are one, I'm not worth loving, or I'm not good enough. So a lot of women get I'm not worth loving, and a lot of men get I'm not good enough. And the second one is that I'm unsafe in some way, and the third is a fear of death, abandonment, or separation. So they're the three core fears that underpin everything. So you can look at all the other superficial fears, but those three underpin them. So if you don't feel you're worth loving, or you don't feel you're good enough, there are 10 trillion different ways people will react to that. But the core is to, to, is to find a way. It's so corny, I know. But really, it is about loving yourself. And the reason everybody thinks being in love is the most wonderful thing on earth, you know, you meet some new person and go, Oh, dear, dear, it's so wonderful. I'm so happy. Oh, my God, I'm so happy. I, lo- I love my life. Everything's fabulous. It's just wonderful. And it is. And it's exactly the same life, but all of a sudden it's wonderful because you've met this person that you love and they love you and you think it's being in love that's made the difference. But it isn't. When you fall in love with somebody else like that at that stage in your life, you actually fall in love with yourself Mm. because they are looking at you saying, oh, you're everything I've ever wanted. You're so perfect. You're so wonderful. Oh, I love you. Just no, no, don't change anything. You're just perfect. And for the first time, you probably believe it. Well, each time you fall in love, you know, you, you get to that stage. But well, what happens is you actually see yourself as who you truly are mm. the wonderful spiritual being, all the potential you are. You see yourself in your best life. But, but what people don't realize, and I talk about this on stage sometimes, 
is a, imagine a human splitting two vertically, so you've got a front and a back. Well, the front is you, the astonishing being of light that you are, the spiritual being that you are. And you are that wonderful person I've fallen in love with. You do have all these qualities. You can be all the things they think you are, because you are them. But we have warts. We're humans. We have warts on the back. And the trouble is that for about 12, 18 months, if you're lucky, two years, that in-love phase lasts. But then one day, one of the other turns around and the other goes, ew, look at those warts. <laughs> and then you see their warts. You go, well, you've got warts too. And then you go, ew, I can see my own warts. Ew, I suck. And there you go. Back to the square one where I'm not worth loving or... And then, God forbid, they leave you or dump you or do something like that because then you get the trifecta. You get the, I'm not worth loving or I'm not good enough, uh, I'm unsafe now because I don't know what's going on, and then death or abandonment wow. or separation. So I don't know exactly how it ties in, but I'm pretty sure that's at the core of most things that motivate us or don't. And, and then people give up. They become hopeless. You know, oh, I'm never going to find anyone. I'm so, like, nobody's ever going to love me. I can't tell you the number of times I've had a man tell me I'm intimidating. What about you three? Yeah, a few. Mm. A little bit. They've never, Mm-mm. never. What? <laughs> I've what never had that. What? Yes, no. you have. No, oh, I did. Said. No, no one's ever said that I'm intimidating. I don't no, think. No, I've never had that. Neither have I, actually. But I think what was interesting for me saying that is that I've heard people say that about them. Oh, okay. I've heard women mm. say that. Yeah. Women have said that. What, to you? Yeah. Well, you just said they haven't. No, men haven't. Oh. But women have said that they're intimidated. Oh, by, or that they think that men are intimidated. Right. What's interesting is that my daughter put on Facebook um, last night. So she's down in Manly amongst all the surfers, the world champion surfers. She's surfing down there. And she says, um, it's very intimidating down here. And somebody came back and said, they're probably intimidated by you, Tanya. Oh. Yeah. But she sees it very... Because when you see her, you know... People turn their head to look at her. She's, she's, the, she's the package. She's got wow. everything. Like, she's doing a competition uh, last... This is... Yeah, oh, wow. We're all looking at photo. She's doing a competition in Manly. There are international um, people there. There are international broadcasters. Mm-hmm. The whole thing is live on the net. So I'm watching it. I'm watching it on the net because wow. she's competing. Right. And I can't be As there. in surfing. In surfing, mm-hmm. yeah. And I can't be there. And she's wearing her blue outfit and her normal cute little bikinis and she's walking towards the beach for her competition and the two commentators, the, the camera's on her, mm-hmm. walking down the beach backside of her right. and the two commentators stop and one of them says, now oh, that's a nice view. Wow. And then the other one says, too right, that's a good view. And then wow. they continue on with the competition and I'm thinking, they're talking about my daughter, you yeah. know. So she has no idea. And she this doesn't is, know, is she, she doesn't talking know about it in terms of her capacity to 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 serve? Yes. Or, right. Yes. So she wasn't talking about how she looked necessarily, or was it the whole package, do you think, that was intimidating? No, what's intimidating to her are all the... She wants to be that surfer right. that is world-class. That's right. what she wants. And then, But I said to her, 
She doesn't know her own potential. She doesn't know her her own own potential. They don't, nobody knows their own magnificence and their own potential, but we all seem to see it, don't we? Yeah. Like I see it in every one of you. I see it in my daughter, but I'm like, for God's sake, I don't figure out how she can't figure it out. Like everyone turns and looks at her and I I know they're not looking at me. But there's a fine (laughs) line between confidence and arrogance. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I think as we're growing, we try to learn and fit where we fit in the model because people love confident people, mm. but then there's a moment where all of a sudden that's like, oh, they're quite arrogant. Yeah. What, Great what, comment. Mm. Yeah. Well, humility goes a long way. Mm. And um, I think you can, again, it depends on how you feel about yourself because arrogant people and people who appear super confident really don't feel good about themselves. No, I was just about and to say so the same. they yeah. try to make themselves seem better or, yeah. well, I've done this, but, and they talk about themselves a lot. And there's, it, to be. Uh, to have true humility, I think, it doesn't mean to put yourself down and to think that you're nothing because that's a disservice to everybody. Mm. But it's, and I think this is somewhere in the book, I can't remember which chapter it's in, it might be compassion and grace, you know, having compassion for yourself. And um, it, it's about um, be, feeling good enough about yourself to forget about yourself and see the beauty of others and see the true spirit in others. And from seeing the magnificence in others comes true humility because we're no better or worse than the person next to us. No matter how many trappings they have or how much stuff they have, we're all these astonishing spiritual beings inside human temples. It's just some of us see it as a temple and some don't. And some treat it as a rubbish tip. Yes. Um, by what they put into it, yeah. and others see it as something quite sacred, and that they're very, very, you know, we were talking about this before. I'm like going, what is it that makes us so particular about what we consume to the point where we won't, I just won't eat a food that I know causes a I problem think it's with me? It's called consciousness. Do you think that's what it is, consciousness? No, I do. I, you know, most people. Ken knows. Oops. Oops. Oh, that's that's the person you were close to. Yes, I was close to. He knows. No, she said the operative word there was. Because by the time he's listened to yeah, this, so it will be a past. It's a shame we've gone through the renovation together to him. Anyway, so he absolutely knows all the dodgy bits about drinking diet drinks because I've sent him more stuff. I'm sure he hasn't read it all, but he might have read the first couple because we were in love in those days. And, you know, it was that early phase. Yeah, yeah, well, you were perfect. He did anything, yeah. And um, I asked him to. And, and now he just doesn't care because he's lost the consciousness of the consequences. And, and I think you have to be conscious to be aware of the consequences. That sounds very intelligent, doesn't it? It does. Yes. Sorry, I didn't mean to bamboozle you. I'm just full of crap, really. No, I, think it's, I think it's actually a very enlightened view. I was speaking um, the last couple of days uh, interstate and I was talking about perspective. And what I was suggesting was how, um, you know, we can all have a perspective on what's real. So if you think about the caterpillar, from, just, for a me- just for a second, you think about the little caterpillar, his perspective about life is that, his belly should touch the ground and he's all that in a bag of chips and super strong because he can bulldoze over a blade of grass. So to him, that's the world, that's reality. And so through his two eyes, that's his perspective of what's real. Then we take the human who, who's bigger than that, who has a very different perspective because we see more. 
And we say, well, that's not reality. That's not the world. Your perspective is flawed because mm. it's so limited. But then you put somebody in a satellite who's looking at us, looking at the caterpillar, and we say, well, actually, you're both wrong because you think that the reality is just what you see through your two your own two eyes. But really, there's a much grander perspective that just through your limited view you can't see. And I think that the... Um, the whole concept of that is that we have a limited view in terms of what we believe about ourselves because we actually don't see the whole truth. Mm. We don't see the whole potential of what's possible. We only see through what's our, what's what we see through our own eyes. So I say to you, Kim, you're amazing, extraordinary, but if you don't feel like it in that moment, that's going to go in one ear and out the other. So in my perspective, you're extraordinary. In your perspective, you're not in that moment. What if neither of us is right and what if there's a grander perspective that neither of us can actually see but the satellite sees it? Or the more spiritual version of ourselves sees it if we want to go more metaphysically. There's a much grander perspective that's accessible to all of us if we were only prepared to play at that realm. And I think the way that we see ourselves and how we believe in ourselves is all flawed because we don't believe in our... We don't believe in it. We don't have any certainty. We don't have certainty of the results that we're going to get. Therefore, we don't believe why, in ourselves to achieve it. Is that why people constantly go back into default mechanisms or go back into I behaviours so. that are yeah, always... Habits. Habits. Yeah. There's, there's a whole lot of stuff in neuroscience now and they can even prove that there are loops within the brain, negative loops. So, And these are your old habitual negative habits or patterns. And, um, and most of us are living lives of habits and patterns mm. ruled unconsciously by fear. So they're unconscious. They don't even know they're doing it. Ken likes the taste of Diet Coke, Pepsi, whatever it is, and just drinks it when he feels bad or drinks it when he wants to rebel, really, and have something to annoy to, you. Yes, to annoy me. <laughs> and uh, I think you've hit on the real motivation there. <laughs> Lucky I came to this session. <laughs> and now menopause moment. What was I talking about? Anyway, so if we go back to... Where was I? You're talking about the negative loops. Oh, thank you. And so the negative loops are in the brain and they're so embedded. And the really bad news is that when you complete that negative behaviour again, the brain releases a little hit of serotonin, which gives you a, a, a high, which gives you a reward for repeating the bad behaviour. So the bad news is that if you do the bad behaviour, you really feel a bit better about yourself or feel a bit better because you've got the serotonin. To have like and, a drug. Yeah, it is. Mm. It's a drug. Mm. It's the same as heroin yeah. in many ways. And it, to fight against that, to fight mm. and reprogram your brain, that would be 66 days to nearly 200 days, takes a lot of, as you're talking about, discipline, mm. motivation. But, but it's, it's really about the desire to make a change in your life. And it's, it's whether you feel you have the capacity to do it, I suspect, in many ways, which then ties back to how you feel about yourself. You know, it's no I've done this a hundred times, I've never been able to do it. Oh, look at that, I could never run a marathon. So if you go back to that perspective thing that you were talking about, Karen, it, it, it's even more than what comes out of your own eyes. It's all your old beliefs, all your old expectations, all those old patterns and habits so you don't, you don't even see out of your eyes. It's like there's this big filter mm. and it's dark grey or, or it's somebody who's got rose-coloured glasses on. You know, we've had that metaphor around forever. Mm. So there are some people who are, in fact, genetically more likely to be optimistic, to be more hopeful, to, to see themselves succeeding and to see rose-coloured glasses. And then there are others that's black. It's not going to work. It's going to, the cup is empty. It's not even half empty. It's empty. 
Yeah. yeah, but what about that water in there? Nah, it's nothing. It's a drop. And so I think if people start to become conscious of how they operate and what their habits and patterns are, then they step back a little and go, well, that's just a habit and that's just a pattern. And if they listen to the story they're telling themselves, because it ain't the truth, I'm sure you guys have talked about that many times. No, we've actually been talking about it recently. The bloody stories and excuses. And it is just another story to confirm what your beliefs are anyway. Yeah. So let's just make up another story. But it's actually not made up. It's actually they just weave that into their confirmation. Mm. Yeah. Um, it becomes like a justification. It, it, like, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it seems to keep them stuck. It just it well, it's keeps them stuck in that, that mm. whole realm that they're in, no matter what that stuck place is. Mm. Well, we've all got the stories, though. You've got stories, that's why I'm not good enough. I'm not worth loving. So before you're five, those three fears, one or the more of the fears are embedded. And no matter how great your parents are, they're embedded somehow, some more than others, some to uh, a greater degree than others. And so the story becomes, I'm not worth loving. I mean, my dad was an alcoholic, and my parents split up when I was five. And seriously, I thought I had a perfect childhood. I don't remember anything. I don't remember a thing past nine. Maybe not even nine, really. Nothing. Zero zip. I just remembered I had a great childhood. So that's my perspective, yeah. right? And because my mum loved me, I was the favourite child. I knew I was the favourite child. <laughs> and if you're the favourite child out there, you know that you're the favourite child. Because... <laughs> <laughs> no, and if you weren't the favourite child, you know as well. <laughs> you started off behind the eight ball. Blame your parents. And, uh, but suck it up now. Yeah, and how do you deal with it? Yeah. At some point, you have to stop blaming. Yes, exactly. And and it's always your perception. The truth is, most people do have a favourite. Anyway, so I was a favourite child. I thought I was. My brother was a favourite. We call him Golden Bollocks. Yes, we still see? call him Bolden. Golden Golden yeah. <laughs> Golden Bollocks. Golden Bollocks. GB. Yeah, carry yeah. on. GB, nice. And so I really thought it was perfect until I started to find out uh, when I was about 53, two maybe. <laughs> that things weren't, you know, rosy in all camps. And I wondered why my relationships were repeating through similar patterns and I wasn't having... I wasn't long without a boyfriend, but I like then I think I'd fall madly in love and I'd think they loved me. And, and then it would all crash and burn. I'd smoke 800 cigarettes for a week and then I'd stop again and start again, and you know, like with the relationships. And one day I was at a client's place and uh, I never go to clients' houses at night. This was in America. And I was in her kitchen. She didn't have much in the kitchen. I'm trying to make conversation and I saw this black book. So I pick it up and I start flipping through the black book, which stunned. And I kept going, <gasps> and then I flipped to another page. <gasps> and this book had me all, it was just me. It was about me. And I said, what is this book? And she said, oh, that's the Al-Anon Bible. Now, if you don't know what that is, oh, so yeah, Al-Anon yeah, yeah, Anonymous has another version called Al-Anon, which is yeah. for people affected by alcoholics. Yeah. So that was the first time I started to get these three core fears where I realised I felt... And, and then I found out after my mum died that she had actually had to leave us in India for a year because she was sick and she couldn't get the treatment in India. But I didn't remember that. I didn't know. I'm sure they didn't say to us, you know, things happen. Because when my parents divorced when I was five, mum said to us, very wisely, I think, um, there wasn't enough room in our house for daddy. We had a house that's now a wedding reception centre. Seriously, oh, I'm oh, not exaggerating. So it was huge. It was a massive. And there wasn't enough room for daddy. No, we. Uh, but what do 
I know. I'm exactly. Fine. I'd go to school. I'd go. No, it's not our room. Our house for daddy. And they go. Oh, okay. Let's play. <laughs> so you know, it's like nothing. And it wasn't until I was fifty-three that I finally got. I didn't feel I was worth loving. I got the trifecta, actually, and I felt unsafe around an alcoholic father who used to get abusive, apparently, and, and I didn't... Um, uh, I felt abandoned with Mum going. So, you know, I didn't go and dwell on these for the next 40 years and go, oh, it's all their fault and I'm such a mess, blah, blah, blah. But becoming conscious of those fears allowed me to start to see patterns and habits which then allowed me to start working on things differently. You know, we're quite egocentric human beings. We think it's all about us. Like, mm. the more I listen and the more we do podcasts, the more I go, you know, this person has a fear around this, this one's worried about that one, this one's had that. We've all got stories. We've all got experiences and we've all got... Cellular memory. Cellular memory, absolutely. So to me, it's like it's not a case of whether you were brought up by an amazing... Um, health-conscious family or when yeah. you're brought up by an alcoholic um, father. Mm. It's what you do with that information when yeah. you sit hit a certain point. But, but once you recognise what you've got... When do you recognise it? Or do some people never recognise well, it? Well, you know, they listen to a podcast like this and they start to think about it. Or they read one of our books. Or, you know, it's all through the, the Joys and Inside Job book. and Which is a fabulous book, by the way. Thank you. Mm, just saying. Just finished the rewrite, second edition. Oh, <laughs> how exciting. Yes, well, maybe once I get through the 47th You're edition. doing that while renovating? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's been a great Christmas. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so I think the recognition comes when you're so sick of patterns in your life and you start to think there must be more to life than this. Uh, that was the other thing I was going to say. When you were saying we're egocentric, yes, we are, but we're even more so when we're five or less. And everything that happens to us is because of us. Mm. We are the cause of a divorce or whatever. I mean, just face it, that's how five-year-olds think. And four-year-olds and three-year-olds and maybe mm. nine-year-olds. Mm. And so it's critical. Uh, the, we, the parents have that consciousness too. But in the book... Um, uh, my mum helped me write the book, so I say mum told me these things. But uh, really, the, they say that the secret to joy is to, one, connect to God or source or divine or universe or your higher self or whatever you want to call it in that spiritual context. That's the most critical thing because when you connect with that, then you start to see who you really are and you start to feel that you're worth loving and you start to have faith in yourself, those sorts of things. And the second is to serve others. Mm-hmm. So it takes that focus away from you because once you're connected to the spiritual realms or the higher realms, it's so difficult because, you know, if you say God, people go, oh, she's a religious nut. And if you don't say God, the religious people go, well, she's a spiritual nut. And let's try not to be judgmental. Anybody listening to this, (laughs) stop with the judgment. Just talking about judgment, I I just love Byron Katie when she says, Welcome to planet Earth, we all judge, just get over it. It's so true. It is. We do. And you know, I was just at a Qigong retreat in November and, and for the last 745 times I've been there, he said it's really important to be kind and positive. And I'm sitting there next to Rachel, who's my great friend there, and we're sitting there going, yes, kind of positive. That's it this year. I'm really going to be kind of positive. Really going to be kind of positive. Not a word is coming out of my mind. I'll thought without kind and positive. Two seconds later, I'm looking at someone going, wow, that's a really weird outfit. <laughs> <laughs> but I caught myself. 
And that's how you do it. I think you become conscious, you listen to things like this, you read the books, you start to notice habits and patterns, and then you have to catch yourself. That's the key is catching yourself because you can you can help people like you know often we'll have people ask us questions how do we do it what do we do how do we keep doing it and you'll tell them what you do and they go away and they go great and they cross their fingers and hope it's going to work yeah. or, but it doesn't and then they come back and they say well no I've done this and I tried that and I've done this and it still didn't work and so you give them another set of tools or another set of ideals mm-hmm. and they go away and then they come back. And then you realise they're telling the same story every single time. It's the same pattern, the same thing. Well, if they don't change the loop, nothing's going to change. And the story creates the loop. How do you loops. change the loop? Or is it our responsibility to try and help them change the loop? Or do we just go, oh, my gosh, she hasn't got the loop. She's not in the loop. When you get in <laughs> the loop, so in nice. the, she doesn't know she's in the loop. But you think about that. Like every time you go and hear a motivational speaker or you go and hear something amazing, and even in business, you know, as speakers, you, you're sharing amazing information with people and they might walk away for a day or two days or two weeks or two months, but then they go back to their old habituated ways of being. So they they, they get stuck back into the same loop <clears> with and using the same story because the human has to be right. So they'll find a way to justify their behaviour and make themselves right about it. No, you just triggered something when you said that. Um, I talk to people about farking. So everybody keep breathing. It's spelled F-A-R-C. And, and it's an acronym or a mnemonic or whatever you call those things for a recipe for change. And the F stands for focus. The A stands for awareness. The R is repetition and the C is celebration. So if you want to change a behaviour, first of all, you get fart. <laughs> Farking, <laughs> pretty much constant farking. Get <laughs> uh, yeah. Did you just say the actual word? No, no, I did. I said fuck. I was telling oh. you how to do it. Oh, I'm very sorry to any Americans listening to this because I know some of you can be sensitive about these things. And honestly, it is spelled F A R C. F-A-R-C. But then, if you're you're Ruth, who works downstairs, who's English, she'll just say fuck. Well, I think <laughs> that's if she was saying the other word, missing move. I'm sure I think she, she would say, say that. So let's just go back we to should bring her up and ask her. Yeah. Yes, let's get back to yes, the, the parking. Right. And yeah. so that we don't upset anyone else. It's <laughs> <laughs> a very liberal audience listening to this. Sorry, so everybody. Yes, it was one. the tart. Yeah. It was all Kim's fault. It was. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Well, we just blame Kim anyway. Oh, just okay. go. <laughs> Just go with Amanda. Right, sorry. No, Amanda, that was your fault. Sorry. Let's go back. Fantastic. It's my fault. I'm the newbie. So, no, no, no. Always blame you. Pass the buck. Pass the buck. There you go. Why take responsibility for yourself when you can give it to somebody else? And that's why Byron Katie calls it the work. Because if you're going to make any changes, you have to do the work. Mm -hmm. It doesn't just happen. It takes Mm -hmm. consistent. And maybe that's the same as people that want their fit, healthy, lean, toned body. Oh, that's right. Yes. You can't just go into the gym and buy those biceps or those glutes. You have to work for them. Mm, Really? And you just can't work for a week or two weeks. It's a lifetime. But, you know, be careful because... That some listeners would listen to that, although they like you all, and they would be really upset by that because you know they'll be thinking they're trying really hard to do it, and the truth is they probably are. Mm. But because they every time they go to the gym, they see all these other lean bodies, and it's torture for them, and it's agony, and they're breathless, and they feel shamed, and 
inadequate and it just reinforces the fact that they're not worth loving so they don't go back or they're not good enough. Or they'll go or, and eat a tub of ice cream <clears> Yeah, because they feel like crap, because they don't feel like they're... What's the point? So, you see, if you're talking about motivation, if we tie it back to motivation, it's almost like you... Um, you have to give people permission. First of all, you have to give them some kind of... Raise their consciousness. So to help them understand where they really are. So get that asteroid view or spaceship, what do you call it? Satellite. Thank you. Satellite view. <laughs> that satellite view. And, uh, and get them to see that it's not all about them rolling around in their quagmire, that they are telling themselves a story, that it's not the truth. It's actually not reality. That was my reality when I was little, that I was frightened and you know mm. with alcoholics you never know what their mood is going to be but on the other hand I'm brilliant at building rapport even if I say so myself because I am and I'm 60 and I know I am because <laughs> I've been told it about 500 times in you know over the years so, so now I've told it and also it helps how people tell you good things about yourself by the way mm. so if you can get yourself a few friends who are a bit more optimistic out there uh, these three already have each other. Um, we do. <laughs> if you guys can find a few optimistic friends, don't hang around people who are negative energy sucking wallies. You know, they're just going to suck you of life force and they'll all talk about... And I remembered one day, there's a bit... Um, I know, it's me- just think menopause when I talk. And uh, I remember when I was about 23, I was, I was so full of life. I thought everything was wonderful. It was the best year. I was just finished physio. I loved my job. Men were fighting literally over me once. And, um, and, but it did happen. Yes, it did happen. And I wondered what was going on. I said, what about me? Why? So, uh, and I think they mistook me for someone else. Anyway, and so I, I kept thinking to myself. Did you choose one of them? Yeah, I think so. The winner. Yeah. 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 Oh, the jewel wins. Yeah. The jewel. <laughs> well, maybe not. I can't remember. It's too long ago. But they were fighting. I know that. Um, and, and anyway, so I started to think, stop it, menopause is hard enough to be distracted by these other things. And I can do some of it, just not a lot of it, for three or four times. Now, back to at 23, where I thought life was wonderful, That's I like, kept thinking, gosh, everybody's so unhappy. They're so miserable. They've got so many problems. Everybody's got so many problems. And one day I woke up and I realised it was because I was walking around to everybody going, Hi, tell me your problems. What's wrong with your life? You know, gosh, what else could be wrong in your life? But I had to wake up to realise that. That's exhausting, isn't it? And it took a long time. And it wasn't until I realised everybody on the planet was miserable. There must be some reason. But it wasn't that, of course. It was that I was facilitating that, looking through those tell me what's wrong with your life glasses. But see, if you fuck, so once you have some consciousness, you can focus on the behaviours that you want to change. Mind you, you don't even have to be that conscious. If there are behaviours you want to change, you just have to focus on what is... Because we're living lives, habits and patterns. You don't even know you're doing it. Yes. You don't know that you're going to the gym for the 14th time or you're starting the diet for the 700th time. You just don't know that you're going into this diet. You think you're committed to it. But deep down, you've got a little voice story going, No, you're fat. You've always been fat. You're going to be fat forever. That's it. You're just fat. Face it. All the ifs. No. So you've got to start to challenge it. So then you might focus on the stories you're telling yourself because that's what you want to change and start to write down the stories because once you develop A, awareness of the stories, of the patterns, of the habits, of the behaviours, 
then you can make a choice. So once you're aware of it, you can go, mm, ding, do I want to judge? Do I want to judge myself? Do I want to think like this? Do I want to tell myself the same story again? Or do I want a different story? Now, all this happens in a nanosecond. But in the beginning, like Byron Katie says, you have to do the work. It's not easy. No. You have to. And most people don't want to ask. Most people are happy to tell you all their shite, all their stuff going on and wrong and everything, but mm. they're not prepared to say, what do you think I should do about it? They're, they don't actually sit there often and say... What asking, I doing, help. Or asking oh. for help. Or Because or, it's a reality that they think that they stuck with. Or they because tell their way of being, so they don't they don't have another frame of reference. So they don't know how to be another way. So they just tell you the story and say, oh, you know, I got blown up and that's my story. <laughs> so I don't have another way of being. So Or they tell ten people about their story. And all ten hoping, or hoping that one of them will give them the answer that they really do want, which is why don't you just stay in your story and wallow in it? Really? Mm. Because that's what, if you tell ten people about your story, you're kind of going, you're wallowing in it. Like yeah. you, you just, just want to justify the story. Well, so you're okay to that you say that, Cindy, because I got taken to the cleaners, which is why I went to the States. So I had $500,000 worth of debts, nearly had to go bankrupt, but didn't. Went to the States and bless America for helping me earn the money back. But when I got over there, I would tell every person and their dog, oh, yeah, I got taken to the cleaners and blah, 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 and it was this story and that story. And people go, oh, that's terrible. Oh, that's awful. And one day, the family I was living with, the guy said to me, you know, you tell that story everywhere you go. Well, interestingly, me, oh, Miss Conscious, not back then, said, I do not, Vince. I do not say that to everybody. <laughs> well, yes, I did. And it took someone with a bit of courage to say to me, but I, I arced up against it. So I suspect mm. most people who are telling the story, if someone says to them, you know, that's the 927th time you told that story, and it's not really a positive story, and I don't want to hear it again, people will get upset. Mm. Because they've got nothing to replace it with. And who so, are they without the story? Mm. Mm. And, and that's where you have to go back to real consciousness, the core fears of who you are or who you aren't, and uh, somehow embedding in the children. And that's what the Joy Project, I'm hoping, is going to achieve. What is your Joy Project about? Tell us. Well, it's based on the book. And, and hopefully we're going to have gazillions of Joy Tribes around the world, which is really fancy name for book clubs. And, but it's a bit more on the book club because the book club you just read a book and you discuss it well the Joy Tribe book um, is well Joy is an inside job it gives you 84 days worth of different exercises or you can make it 84 weeks or you can make it 84 months but there's a daily activity so you as a group would get together and let's face it it's going to be mostly women but maybe not maybe there would be some really great guys out there who do it or Fucked I'm hoping me. yeah men who are willing to fuck um, <laughs> if ARC <laughs> Uh, or it's um, a family. So, you know, a mother with children yeah. who are your age, Kim's. Yeah. Um, Young, yes. amazingly beautiful. Yes, amazingly beautiful with an incredible mother. Well, you would work the way through the book because who teaches children concepts like gratitude? Who teaches concepts like compassion, reverence, hope, forgiveness? We don't talk about them. You don't actually discuss, tease them out. You know, t we teach them gratitude by saying, say thank you to your brother. Yeah. I said, say thank you to your brother. Say thank you to your brother. <laughs> and then you slap them. And that's gratitude. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. Do you know, I, 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 I am so with you on that. We are not teaching 
in schools or at home mm. the right concepts. And I, I'm reading a book at the moment um, called Death by Food Pyramid. Mm. And this is what she says. She says, the reality is that most of us grow up strapped in an educational system that favours obedience over independent thinking. We're rewarded for trusting authority and punished for challenging it. We focus on memorising the stuff other people came up with, formulas in math, grammar, rules in English, theories in physics, cell functions in biology, rather than grasping the logic behind our most important breakthroughs and tracing the footsteps of their discovery. We answer test questions with what we think our teacher wants to hear. We chase grades instead of knowledge. And worst of all, we leave the classroom woefully unequipped with the thinking skills that matter most how to balance open-mindedness and skept- with scepticism, how to identify bias and how to challenge assumptions, including our own, in a way that's truly objective. And, and what, what I think the education system's got to change. We've got to change as parents mm. as to what we're teaching. Like, I, I, you know, my kids are in their 20s now, and I thought I knew a lot back then about mm. teaching them the skills of life, mm. and I feel I'm woefully inadequate. Yeah, I really do. But then who teaches? I mean, I, nobody taught me about those three fears. I worked them out with a great deal of pain and heartache and hard work. And and thankfully, I didn't have children. I mean, I'm devastated I didn't, but thankfully for the children's sake, I didn't. Because who knows what they would have been like. Because I certainly wasn't a balanced, sensible, wise human being back then. Um, but if we... But are we as new mothers? I don't think so. But, but if we knew about those core fears yes. before, like my assistant's had a baby. I have drummed these fears into her head. I do things like I'll hear a, a young mother who's exhausted going, oh, stop it, you're such a naughty boy. And I will do things like, you're not really a naughty boy, you're a wonderful little boy. It's just that you do naughty things sometimes. You're really a wonderful little boy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, you're always sick. No, no, you're not always sick. You're just sick at the moment. You're really a crazy Crazy, crazy aunt. Yeah. And I swear I did that with my nieces and yeah. nephews. Because, but people aren't aware. No. And the Joy Project is trying to get people to the point where they see these things and it's written in those chapters so that as you develop that sense of gratitude, which is the foundation pillar for joy, and you start to look at life with gratitude glasses on, so it changes everything you look at. But then if you teach that to children, when, when a child is bullied at school or something horrible happens, you come home and you, you have permission when they're younger than a teenager to say, let's put our gratitude glasses on. You know, I know that hurts and I acknowledge their feelings. That was very scary because it's always scary, even though they don't say it's scary. And let's put the gratitude glass on. What's, what's something we can be grateful for that happened during that? You try that with a teenager, they'll punch you. But you can do it with a younger kid. So if people would work their way through the book, through the various chapters, as parents and, and do it with the children and make games and things out of it, then all of them are starting to learn those. You know, there's 12 parts. I don't know. This mum helped me write the book, and I don't know anything about joy. I'm still on a learning curve. But it's, you know, <laughs> gratitude, compassion, reverence, hope, listening, laughter, um, cheerful enthusiasm. Did I say reverence? Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, did I say energy and vitality? No. no. Oh, energy and vitality. Um, Equanimity and love. Oh, oops. Mm. <laughs> oops. That would be the biggest one for the best, for the last. Yeah. And so all of those, we don't talk about them. And all through the book, the fears are listed, you know. Like it says in the Bible, I don't know, 365 times or something, fear not. Because we're all living lives with habits and patterns ruled unconsciously by fear. And if you don't remember anything else, remember that, because that's going to be the core source of whether you're motivated or not to do anything. 
or change anything. Well, that's my opinion anyway. So the, the book is, it's not the Joy Project, the one I've got. No, What's you've the, got the Gospel of Joy, but I've, I've got the done the second edition and I've called it Joy as an Inside Job because oh, nobody okay. liked the Gospel of Joy. I and it's more it. accurate to be yeah. Joy is an inside job. job. And and is it out? No. Oh. It will be soon. Good. Well, let us know. Yeah. Oh, all right. Yeah, yeah, let's right. know and we'll let everybody know. Yeah. 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 I want it. Yeah, yeah I, I'm like going... I think it's it's, it's very similar. It's just that I've updated it, you know, changed the energy and vitality chapter in a lot of ways and put a lot more in about the fears because I learned, you know, it was five years ago I... Four years, I wrote it. So I've learned a lot about parking and stuff. See, I think you could do this. Like my children are 20-year-olds and we'll sit around to dinner and the conversation's always interesting, I have to admit, around it. And I would bring these things up because we often talk. Now we talk about these things and my kids are really open to it. So I don't, I don't know about teenagers. They're a little bit different to the 20-year-olds who are starting to maybe become conscious and really thinking about it. Um, and the little ones, so yeah, I don't think it's, it's too late to even do it as a conversation. Then, then we get together. Well, I think, no, I think you really, frame. Yeah. I think you frame it. You use different yeah. language well, at different they're going stages. To be, they're having children in the not too distant future, yeah. scarily enough. Yeah. But you know, so you want to do it with them yeah. because they want to be the, and you frame it with, be the best parent you can. But I think there's even room for that, having not having kids either. I think there's even room for that from a business perspective too. Yeah. Yeah, there's this huge movement um, now in corporate and in leadership training and corporate training around like androgynous, manage- androgynous management and androgynous leadership. I don't know why I'm struggling to get my tongue around that today. Um, but it's about being able to balance the max- masculine and the feminine in mm. business, whereas the woman has always got to be very dynamic in order to cut her teeth and compete in, an, in a corporate mm. environment. And it's very yesterday. It's very, very yesterday, which is why we can't sustain it long term, you mm. know. And I think that this kind of, this kind of um, what you're talking about, enjoy is an inside job, and also the, 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 the first one that you wrote, I've got that one. And a lot of the principles in terms of um, what I do in my business and what I even offer my clients is around that kind of philosophy and, and mentality. But unless the joy is present, the human can't function because we're not just a skin bag of skills. Mm. We're a human being. Well, you know? Yeah, well, a spiritual one inside the human body. Mm. And, yeah. if it, and, and, you know, if people got this, Beautiful. my gosh, it, like, there'd be so much more happiness. Oh, joy. Yeah. You know, I was talking to this guy um, yesterday and I'd had just gotten off out of my swim and we were, he was having a shower and I was having a shower, you know, like in the open showers. Mm-hmm. And he said, isn't it great to be alive? Yeah. And I went, yeah, you know, this, I just, every time I come down here, I go, oh my gosh, I live here. Mm. I live in this amazing mm. place. And he said to me, do you know, I've been a real estate agent for 15 years and I've sold real estate to people, say, eight, ten years ago. They have never put their feet in the sand. Oh, wow. Really? And they're complaining about life. Wow. And I just went, all you have to do is go go down. You know, like you can actually do this anywhere. Like you can go out into a desert and look at the magnificence of a desert. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter where you are, in a mountain, in the, in the ocean, um, when the sun is shining, like um, a beautiful tree. It, it doesn't matter. And this is the thing is that people, I think they're expecting... Mm-hmm life 
to give them what they want yeah. instead of them saying, well, what am I going to give life? As you said, yeah. we must serve, connect to God. And I think mm. when you're in nature, the sand, the yeah. beach, the mountains, the clouds, mm. you're with you're God. You're one with everything. You yeah. are. Mm. You connect with a magnificence. Mm. And then if your goal is to then go and serve others and rather than what did JFK say, ask not what you can do mm. for your country but what for you can that's not what your country you can do for you. What you can do for country. <laughs> well, you see, part of that is your gratitude or reverence. Yeah. I mean, do you look around you every day with reverence and awe and wonder at the people who are around you? Or do you look at them and go, oh, yeah, he's such a difficult person. Oh, boy, I hate living with you. <laughs> yeah, you don't look. Mm. Just look for one good thing. Let's give them some practical skills to finish up yeah, with. Yeah, Look for one good thing in the people that you don't like. Just one good thing. And, and focus, fuck, on that one good thing so that you have um, a, a completely different perspective on them. When you look at them, all you're looking at is the good thing. So I don't care what it is, just one good thing. They could also be the person that you're looking at in the mirror, perhaps. Oh, that's a good idea. It is. It's a great idea. Quite nice. Because quite a lot of people don't even have one good thing about themselves, do no. they? Mm. One, one of the things, that, or two of the things that you have said that has really struck a chord with me is the fear factor. Mm. And loving yourself. Um, because if you have a great relationship with yourself... Can I just clarify yes. that? And feeling you are worth loving or that you are lovable. Some people, I had the most... Until last year, till November last year, I could not say and feel okay, I am lovable. Sorry, go on. I just yeah, want to put no, that in there no, so they had that. It's good. Wow. Keep going. Are we going to question her on yes. this one? Okay. Yes. Yes, okay, let's yeah, go. Yeah, but let her finish the sentence first. No, I... the listeners. I, well, one of the things I listened to Anita Mojani last year, mm. and we've spoken She's about... Amazing. Oh, I just loved her. And the other two things she said was live a fearless life. Mm. So from that minute, like I, I actually do feel like I do love myself. I respect my body. I mm. won't put anything into it. I, I don't want to. I do things that I enjoy doing, such as... See, to me, it's, it's the motivation that I love to get up in the morning and do what I do. Mm. It's not because I'm fearful of the fact I'm going to die of cancer if I don't do it. Mm. It's this is what I love to do. This is why I do what I do. I, mm. I do it because I love it. And anyway, she said, you know, live a fearless life. And I went, yeah, yeah, I live a fearless life. So I ticked both boxes. Mm -hmm. But what was really interesting is as every day passed... And I became conscious of fear. Mm. I realised I didn't live a fearless life. No. I actually lived in a lot of fear of a lot of things, and I have. And now, now I'm conscious of it. I catch myself mm. when I'm going through this fear factor, like when the story, because the fear yeah. is always a story. It's all, and it is a story. You're not worth. Oh, you would not do that because you're not good enough. What yeah. were some of your fears? Uh, well, the little ones are like, um, like Brogan might go out and I'll hear an ambulance, and the fear will be, "Is he all right?" Mm. That's a fear. Mm. They shouldn't be there. Um, might be. Um, I, I ran into Karen the other day. I had just gone for a swim and the cyclone was nearby. Mm. And so the waves were huge. I got in a bit of an eddy, which mm. I assumed was a rip. And uh, um, I gave myself so much fear. I gave myself the worst migraine that I've mm. ever experienced. And when I saw Karen, I just, I just, I was a mess. Well, that's a legitimate thing, though, really. I wouldn't beat yourself up over that fear. Like when you're caught in something that's potentially life-threatening, 
but, but what, it wasn't. But what oh. Cindy's well, conversation... It was my story around that it was. Oh. But also Cindy's conversation with me when she had it, that had already occurred, mm. but that then made her fearful to go back into the water. She was still going. Oh, okay. She was okay. still going right. back into the water. And what I said to her, I said, you know, how many times have you swam? And she said, oh, hundreds of times. So it's interesting, isn't it, that we'll remember the one time where it was a little mm. unpleasant as opposed to the 99 times that it was perfect. Mm. And the one time that it was a little unpleasant is the most debilitating experience that stops the, the progress. You know, we haven't got a lot of time, and it just you made me realise, if you can drop to your heart, which is one of the techniques in the book, it's not very hard, you just think about the area around your heart and get into your heart because the heart isn't just a pump. It's the most astonishing alchemical vessel. It's, it's truly alchemical. It'll take mm. fears and turn them into peace. And if you live from your heart and you don't judge, and you're pretty enlightened really if you live from your heart the whole time, but anyway, you can aim, you, you can fark, yeah, you can fark <laughs> on working. And the last, the C we didn't talk about, oh, the R is repetition, by the way, and the C is celebration. So it's very important for the brain. If you're going to change something and embed it, you have to celebrate even the small changes. So um, if you can get to your heart, the first time you get to your heart and you feel it, you feel this peace, celebrate. You know, do a little joy jig or something because that'll embed that memory because it'll be a pleasant memory, not one of those frightening ones that goes zoom straight into your amygdala and straight into your, uh, the rest of your cellular memory. So if you can get to your heart, then you transform everything. So people you don't like, put them inside this vessel that's, that you imagine to be your heart. It's an enormous space once you get in there. So you do a little, it's like a two-second meditation. You just drop, or imagine you've got a little chute going from the middle of your head down to the middle of your heart. And this is all in the book too. And, and you slide, you see mini you sliding down. And you land in this gentle, soft, velvet, huge, anyway, that was the experience for me. It was a vast, vast, incredibly blissful place that was like illuminated velvet. And before I did this exercise, I went, yeah, right, okay, going to drop to the heart, yeah, right, okay. Mm. And I thought it would be a complete waste of time. And all of a sudden, I'm in this vast, beautiful space, going, wow, this is so cool and peaceful. So that's really one of the cause to motivation as well, seeing that's what we're talking about mm -hmm. and feeling good about yourself because in the heart, it's the portal for love. I love that. I think that's just absolutely beautiful. Yeah, I think you've really captured it. Yeah, and, and, and notice, even in the room, it's energetically, we've all just gone very peaceful because we've all just done the little drop, the little your parachute down into the mm. other side. Mm. <laughs> the hearts on a river. Yeah, into the liver. <laughs> right into the liver. <laughs> Which is the seat of compassion, apparently. So that's good. Go good sit in the go. seat of compassion. Good place Except most of us store our anger in our liver too. It's not so good. Anyway, so, so I know we haven't got a lot of time, but I want to ask... You are one of the world's most renowned speakers. You have made yourself, you've created an art out of public speaking. Mm. Where are you speaking next? Are you around Australia or are you off to America again? Uh, well, I might be going to the States in April, but it's a bit of a big trip. So I'm going in September, October. I go every September, October anyway. Sometimes I go for odd trips, but mostly around Australia. Is your work mainly corporates or is it open to the public? Is there ways that people so can hear you? So far it's corporates. If you three can inspire me by teaching me how to do the stuff you're doing, then I would be doing more of that. But <laughs> right now, no, it's just corporate. <laughs> so organized. But um, it's interesting. Just recently I've done quite a lot of work with uh, rural uh, areas that have had horrendous times uh, trying to, like, d helping them out. And, um, you know... Those people are so resilient, but they're so beaten up. 
and they just need a, a bit of a shift, you know, just an opportunity to come and laugh when they haven't laughed in a long time. And never underestimate the power of laughter, you know. It's just, it's one of the chapters in the book. And you can go from being death door type stuff. These people have had, in Mandabra, floods, bushfires, earthquakes. Wow. I don't even think we had earthquakes up there. No, and they've like had two, drought. And drought. Yeah. So seriously, they had, I think they had an earthquake, a size six earthquake. Then they had a flood, which took out everything. Then they just started rebuilding themselves again, and the fire came through. Oh then they just gosh. rebuilt themselves again, and they had another massive flood. And, wow. and drought on top of it. So Time they, to move? Yeah, they're a mess. You know, all their citrus crops destroyed then start again. Anyway, so just that one opportunity for them to actually get out of the hole they're in, laugh, change their spirit. When you yeah. laugh, you change your spirit. And then we connected the other. other night. You're so right. We were all watching the Olympics. It was great. We just all, we're just all lying there in the lounge just watching. The, the, and then all of a sudden, my husband just got up <laughs> He and he just did this dance, and he was trying oh. to twerk and do this thing and shuffle, and and the four of us were in hysterics. Just, like I'm not kidding, we were all crying with laughter. How wonderful at this this moment, and to the point where you know you just you actually can't breathe. Yeah, and. And I'm, I'm feeling it as I'm talking about it. And then we're having breakfast the next morning. And what's so beautiful about laughter and having those moments yeah. is that you only have to think about that moment again to have the feeling. Yes. Yep. So I think that positive reinforcement and, and recreating those moments, or that's, that's the beauty of girlfriends, I think, too, particularly mm. because mm. when we get together, we relive. And even if one of us has told the story 10 yeah, times before, it it's funny. You all laugh. And we yeah, all laugh when we, we love the story. Or the best thing about all of us speaking, particularly when we hear each other speak, mm. is we know when the punchline's coming out. Oh, what yeah. you love. You hear Cindy start Cindy. laughing Cindy early. Cindy just starts laughing early, which then yeah. makes everyone laugh. So now yeah. they're even laughing before the joke's told. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. Now you look I reckon I'll be able to do that at one of your talks too after watching on YouTube. Yeah. I'll be laughing long before yeah. you even get to the punchline. Yeah. <laughs> Amanda, you seriously are one of the most amazing yeah. public That's speakers. So I, love I, I would like to be you when I grow up. I yes. do hope yeah. to no, have that ability. No, you don't. You're funny too. Oh, Where funny. You are You're funny. You may, like, we, but she's hilarious. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, and there's Kim making faces at me, bragging, going, where, where, sucking, I'm funnier than you. Oh. We've, got this, we've got this running thing. These women are not at all affected by fear, dear listeners. They have no sense of competition. There's no judgment happening. And anywhere. we never laugh. Yeah. <laughs> Truly enlightened women. How hilarious. And you release so many. So people that we can't, they may not be able to travel to America to see you in September, but how can we get in touch with Amanda Gore? How do we find her books, her right, information? Thank you. Well, it's amandagore.com. It's very easy. <laughs> or you G-O-R-E. And I say follow Gore with awe. You just copied that off me. I got it first. They're very, very competitive, just as an outsider. Can you feel it? Just a little Can competition. Can you feel it? <laughs> I suspect that's part of the motivation. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Hi, my name's Kim Morrison. I'm a tart. Yeah. I'm a tip. A tip? 
a tart in progress. <laughs> I love I'm that. I'm a work in progress. I'm a tart Oh, God knows you're beautiful enough to be a tart. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm the rock star and this is the princess. I'm the princess. Oh, so I'm nice. the one that, yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm, I'm the one mm-hmm. with the heels, the hair, the... Oh. Mm-hmm. She's a pip, a rip and a tip. <laughs> I love that. Mm. Well, everybody, start your own joy drive with a pip, a tip, and a rip. <laughs> love it, love Just it. Just work love your it. way through the book and you'll be a jip. <laughs> actually, you know When the book comes out, hmm. actually, we're going to get it. Yeah. And we're going to work through one. Yes. Uh, one A. What a great idea. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. It's a great idea. Yeah, we will. Make we'll work through joy Will it be an ebook as well? It will be. Great. Great. We're ready. And then I don't know. We currently have an online learning program for it, but I'm just thinking I'm going to pull that and I'll write something simpler. <laughs> so <laughs> how many right. how many um, things are there? Twelve. Twelve, Twelve chapters, but there's, there's a, a daily activity for every chapter. Oh, my gosh, there's 84 weeks more of material. Oh, stop it. Oh, stop. Wow. Everybody's crying if... online. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. They'll only do one every couple of months. <laughs> Fun to do it, yeah. To just pull the concept out and let's talk about the concept. And mm. and some of them we probably already spoken about. Have we done gratitude? We have, haven't we? Have we do our gratitude? We do journals? Do, yeah, the gratitude journals. We did that a couple of well, we did that no. a couple of months We've ago. We've mentioned it. We haven't done a whole podcast on gratitude. gratitude. That's what you haven't mean. we? Not a whole podcast, haven't we? Haven't we? I'm very grateful for the fact that I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Funny people go, haven't we? And, and, I'm, and I'm the one with menopause. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Kim, Kim is the one that writes everything down, has it in a folder, knows what we've done, how we've done it. Uh, She's that organised one. one of you, yeah. but not today. Yeah, yeah we, we were looking at it yesterday, last night. Yeah, no. What'd you do with it? It's in my bag. There you go, see? Yeah. She, see, I told you. Wowza. I told you. Mm-hmm. Good heavens. Well, this has been an amazing podcast, I think. I think it's been lots of fun. It's been very informative. And Amanda, it's been fabulous to have you. Well, thank you, ladies, for the Join opportunity. Us. And you know, the best part is is that you actually now are going to stay with us as we work through your book. Yeah. So everybody's going to get oh, to know you really well. And they're going to get to do join. They can buy the ebook themselves and work through it with you. It's not nice. fantastic. Mm-hmm. I actually think it's great. I think we'll go on the affiliate program, actually. I think we should go on the affiliate program. That's a great idea. Yes, yeah, I, I just signed up to be a member on the affiliate thing. I've signed up for yours, too. Oh, did you? Just found out what affiliates are. Everybody yes. out there, this is the most exciting thing. Like, you can sign up for this affiliate program. I had a lesson in it yesterday. I got very enthusiastic. <laughs> and um, so you go into this place called Commission Factory or something, yeah. and you sign up and you find fabulous products like Cindy's and, and another one and, called, and, 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 and Kim's. And you're on there. They didn't tell me. And, and Karen. Too. Oh, yeah. and Karen. And, um, and Amanda wow. Gore will be oh, soon. 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 Yes, soon. <laughs> After I found out yesterday. And then all you guys out there in Radio Land, pod, iPod, what do you call it? Podcast, Podcast. Land. Um, you can sign up and then you can get discounts on any of the products. And then you get a commission. Yeah, you make That's money right. on them. You make money yeah. on them. Yeah, yeah. So, so by you just by think, sharing what something you love, oh, hello, you're making money. What you yeah. see. So if you love what you hear from you guys, they can just sign up. I didn't have any idea. I'm so got money off her. I'm on her affiliate program. She's I'm our biggest affiliate. affiliate. Um, um, Kim and Shani and Julius is my number second two affiliate. Wow, wow, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, Shani and Julius are number two. They're wanting to know who number one is. Number one's way ahead of them, but that don't, don't don't tell them. That. Okay, let's just don't that just yet. On that note, don't tell them. <laughs> it's on that note. Yeah, it's they're competitive. Oh, unlike you guys. <laughs> Don't tell them. <laughs> How hilarious. Okay, so we need to wind this up because we're over again this week, aren't we? Yes. Mm-hmm. 
What's new? We've One got minute. what else Car- is new? We've got fucking carried away. Fucking. I said could that. you enunciate? It? <laughs> it's her New Zealand accent. I'm very sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we were focusing and being aware and repeating and celebrating. Well, that's at least they now know what fucking is. Maybe we could have flarking, which includes laughing. Parking. No, 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 no. I like the parking. Yeah, parking. Yeah, like parking works. Farking yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, folks, keep on parking then. <laughs> and let's ride up into the sunset and, and get be joyful. Connect <laughs> oh, to God or the spiritual realms and and serve others. And on that note, while they're parking. all talking amongst themselves, I'll just leave you with a very positive and sincere comment. <laughs> Somebody's got to do it, love. Yes, that's right, because Focus they're all on the floor laughing. And parking. Yeah. <laughs> Stop it. Bye. <laughs> We're going now. See you next week. <laughs> oh, this is cool. This is cool. So, everybody, join us on our Facebook page and post your comments and let us know how much you love Amanda Gore as much as we love Amanda Gore at all the w's.facebook.com forward slash up for a chat. Or you can also post your comments at all the W's dot forward slash up for a chat. And join us here next week and become part of the ripple effect that's changing the world. We are going to see you on the ride. Bye for now. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.